our first panel discussion, so this is a huge turnout. Nice to see everybody. Um, I wanted to just give you a little information about the show that's upstairs, the invitational show. Uh, first, there's a call for nominations that goes out in September to our members, and our members are made up of architects, artists, um, composers, as well as um, writers. You're welcome to come in, and there are lots of seats in the back there. And uh, they submit names, usually they're about 150, and then out of that pool we have um, we have a committee made up of about eight to ten artists. Dorothea Rockburn is with us. I think she's the only art member here today, but thank you, Dorothea. And she was very instrumental in getting this going. We really want to start having more public programming, so thank you for that, too. Uh, and there's this committee that um, decides on about 35 artists every year for this exhibition. And um, there are also many artists in, well, not many, but some here that have been purchased and received awards. Uh, aside from the awardees that are up here, Jim Clark has received an award out of this current show. Um, and so that's kind of how this works. 35 people are, uh, are asked to be in this exhibition. And uh, then I curate the show at that point. And the committee comes back and views the show and decides on the awards, as well as about 20 works that are purchased. And those works go to museums in the country. So it's really a great, great program. But uh, I wanted to introduce now, I'm just going to keep it very short. This is David Cohen, who is going to lead the discussion. David Cohen is the founder of uh, Art Critical and also the review pa panel, which is now hosted by uh, the Public Library in Brooklyn, and he has been the gallery director at the uh, New York Studio School for 10 years in the past, and then also five years, about five years, a, a critic, art critic for the New York Sun. And he is going to be speaking with Alain Kirili and Judith Bernstein and Duran Langberg and Inka Essenhai and Charlotte Delarmanat today. And uh, it's going to be very interesting, not your typical discussion. So um, I will let you go ahead and, and lead the way. Thank you. I feel I ought to have a cell phone so I can speak to Charlotte. Um, um, do, do you want to hold it or put it back in I the... I think I'll hold it. As you prefer. I think they may have sound tested it, it with the expectation it that it's if in it there. Here? You ought to hold it. There you go. Cool. Very cool. Uh, Charlotte, see if you can sort of come around a little so that you don't feel um, out in the cold there. Charlotte, um, Charlotte de la Manette was actually born in Argentina, so maybe she has an instinct for keeping at a, um, a long distance from, um, <laughs> from, from where we all are. I, I, was, I may as well start with Charlotte and, and work this way. Um, Charlotte trained at academies in uh, Antwerp. Um, she was at the New York Studio School and at Yale. And uh, she has a, a burgeoning young career going and is one, I think, the younger artists in the show. I think that's a, a fair guess. Uh, Inka Essenhai uh, is, is, um, always has youth on her side. Um, uh, but maybe, yeah, maybe the, maybe the, uh, yeah, she's, she's been young forever. Yes. Um, Not that long. <laughs> it, maybe it has something to do with the, um, the cartooning imagery of her work that uh, we associate her uh, with youth. She's uh, born in Pennsylvania. She was uh, 
educated at uh, Columbus College of Art and um, the uh, and the School of Visual Arts, and is currently shown uh, exhibited by um, Miles McHenry Gallery in Chelsea and Victoria Miro in London and other places. Um, Doron Langberg um, is um, uh, a graduate of. Um, uh, the Pennsylvania Academy slash uh, University of Pennsylvania and the Yale Graduate Program. Um, and he's uh, much exhibited in, in both group shows and uh, solo exhibitions the last few years. He's currently showing with 1969 Gallery and Yossi Milo Gallery. <laughs> yes. Um, one hears all the latest gossip if you moderate a panel. <laughs> Uh, he is represented by the Yossi Milo Gallery, and he had a recent solo exhibition at 1969 Gallery on the Lower East Side. Judith Bernstein is uh, um, uh, one of uh, uh, a legend in New York City, and, and uh, further afield than that, um, one of the pioneers of the intersection of the feminist movement and um, avant-garde art um, since the 60s, 70s. Um, she uh, is... Uh, uh, best known for those um, uh, very phallic um, uh, protest-oriented images. Um, and she's also an artist who's uh, known to be closely associated with the, the Guerrilla Girls and with feminist activism. And um, actually, I may have spoken out of turn when I said that Argentina is the most far-flung place. I haven't, done the, haven't actually calculated whether Paris or, Argent or Buenos Aires is further away from New York City, but Alain Carilli, um, a legend of a, a contemporary sculpture, um, uh, was uh, born in uh, Paris, um, educated there, and also with a, uh, studying independently with a Korean calligraphy master. He is um, uh, an artist who has straddled the divide between New York and um, Paris, um, very much um, active in the New York scene since the 1970s, um, taking a place here in 1980. Um, and he is also somebody who is um, um, an unusual aspect of his career is the way in which he integrates his own work with a role as a kind of um, instigator, a patron, a collaborator with musicians. Um, and that's very much uh, an appreciated aspect of what he does and is going to be relevant to what we're talking about today, which you might wonder, what the heck are these people talking about today? Um, because we're not, not giving out Oscars, although this is, in a way, the, uh, the Oscars of the art world. Um, there doesn't seem to be anybody else handing out quite so much cash and, and, and prestigious awards and purchase prizes as the good old arts and letters. Um, what I wanted, therefore, to us to do, and this is a sampling of the individuals who've received awards, and then more people yet have, have received those purchase prizes. I just wanted us to have a, an informal conversation. What does, it, what does it mean to be in an exhibition such as this? Because if we think about it, um, it's, it's a lovely anachronism in a way that an academy with endowed prizes should put on a show of really exciting artists who are, who nonetheless have the distinction the negative distinction of not being academicians. It's the invitational. So these are, uh, these are the best of the rest, as it were. You, you, if, if, if an academy sees itself as being the great and the good, um, then the invitational is those who are fairly good 
but not yet the great and the good. So it's, um, it's um, in a funny way, the Salon de Refusé coming into the Academy. Um, and and, and um, so I'm going to try to talk a little less myself, but I just want to say one thing um, kind of personally and as, as a way of as an intro, and, and that is that um, I have a very deep fondness for this show, as, as do many. Um, I see and realize whenever February, March comes around and it's the time of the year for the opening of this exhibition upstairs, it really is one of the best art parties there is because you get three dozen artists, all of their friends come and um, their friends are often my friends anyway. So um, what, a, what a party and they, and they know how to throw a party here as well. But hors d'oeuvres and bar aside, um, it's really the excitement of seeing um, artists recognize other artists. And most interestingly of all, actually, it's the randomness and yet the consistent quality that you get when you get three dozen artists selected in the way that Sue had has, has described. So um, the process, that pyramidal process of getting to this number of people and the specific works by those people. Um, a couple of, uh, I, Sue had was kind enough to mention that I'm the founder and moderator of something called the Review Panel, which is a, a forum where critics join me and we do a review of current exhibitions. We have a review, uh, a tradition going back, we're 15 years old now, going right back to the beginning. Um, every two years we review the Whitney Biennial, as we will in early June of this year. Um, two years ago, we took the bold decision, I took the decision, that in part one of the program we would uh, review the Whitney, um, and in part two we would actually look at the Invitational. Oh, speaking in error, yes, um, correction. Uh, it wasn't actually the Whitney, it was the Triennial. We, we reviewed the Triennial exhibition at the New Museum, a curated survey of international young art in part one. And then in part two, we reviewed uh, the Invitational, which is, um, doesn't get much review, really. Um, and um, it was, um, I think, an illuminating exercise because one realized that, uh, some people realized, that a slightly um, august, old-fashioned way of doing business, endowed prizes, nominations, committees, a curator, um, no heavy agenda, no grand designated theme, no artists asked to do something special just for the show. It's just a, a, a show of good stuff by good people, as it were. And yet it possibly does as good or better a job of, of giving us the zeitgeist as something like a triennial or a biennial with all of its heavy duty methodology and posturing and um, uh, you know, some often rather self-important curatorial notions that get that swim around, that actually the, the, the more homespun way of just pieces of quality by people recognized by their peers produces a rather interesting effect. So I wonder actually, uh, Judith, as, as somebody who's certainly no stranger to biennials and, and, and the such like, 
although I'm sure you'd love to be a Moor. But um, <laughs> so true, so true. <laughs> what does it What does it feel like to be in such a show where the where there is no um, sort of ideological um, or intellectual um, structure beyond these are good people? Well, I, I'll tell you something. I'm thrilled to be here, and it's also wonderful to be in this context. I love the space. The space is actually quite fabulous in terms of the architecture here. So that's wonderful. And it's also great to be in as many shows that you can get into. And also the aesthetics are a whole range. And it's very interesting that I was chosen to be in this show. So I'm really thrilled to, uh, to be part of it. Um, I, um, I was surprised in a certain way because of the fact that my work I had a show that included the pieces that I have here downstairs, the three from the Donald Trump series. And they were, um, I had two shows recently. One was at the Drawing Center, and that was a three and a half month show. And that was called Coming, uh, um, um, Cabinet of Horrors. And we printed up buttons of those uh, from that show that was like hmm. schlong face, this is all about Donald Trump and all the negative things about Donald Trump. And then I had a show at Paul Kasman, I'm represented by him in New York. And he had the pieces that were downstairs, but we had it under black light. But you can see what was really nice that I got an opportunity to show these pieces in the light of day and not just under black light. And I was thrilled to actually see them all together. So it was really very special for me to be able to see them in a different context in terms of uh, the group that was selected here and also see it under regular light. So I was, I, I'm, I've been thrilled to be part of this. And I, and I was glad that um, I was able to show work that, it, that is political. And uh, especially at this time, when um, the 45th president is such a con artist. So um, it was so great to be able to show these again. Yeah. Fantastic. Yeah. Thank you. Um, Alain, um, seeing, seeing your work here in, in, in the Academy, um, what was the experience like of seeing it in the context of other works here? Does, do, do, you, do you, no, no, you have, you have something on your lapel. Oh, okay. Oh, I see. Yes. Uh, well, Mostly what was a, a miracle here. A miracle happened here. It's not just a show, it's a miracle. <laughs> Thanks to Suad, did not know, my sculpture Ascension has been into the arch of the architecture of this building. So my first contextualization and my first flirt is with the arch. Uh, all my life has been extremely stimulated by my visit at the Matisse Chapel in Vence. I went all my life at the Matisse Chapel. So I have a sculpture in the Abbey of Montmajour in Nîmes, in Arles, sorry, <coughs> and all this idea of arch give me some place to breathe in terms of associating creation with spirituality. And I feel really terrific that the Academy uh, give me this uh, mm. uh, opportunity. So that's uh, one point. And I am pleased to 
discovered a new generation of artists and that's really, really marvelous. It's the meeting that we can do with yeah. people that we don't see uh, uh, otherwise. And um, is that a, a that's good a answer? There's, a, there's a several good answers okay. and very suggestive ones. It's actually uh, uh, the, the just the space itself, yeah. which uh, yes. uh, okay. is, is no minor uh, aspect because yeah. yes. there's, such, there's such exquisite galleries to mm -hmm. uh, top lit and mm -hmm. um, classical in their way. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so that's a good question for the, for the younger artists who are used to showing in, in uh, art galleries, in, in um, kind of more funky uh, alternative spaces. Uh, um, does, does, did, you, did you learn something seeing the work in such a classical setting um, as, as the Academy? Did, did, you, did, did the work look different to you hanging the way it, the way it is here? I, perhaps I could ask, um, I mean, Doron is actually, you're in the annex, which is I think part of the old numismatic uh, society, uh, <coughs> which um, are, are not, it's a great place. It's, it's part of the exhibition, and it's a great exhibition. It doesn't quite have the the beauty of um, the McKim, uh, yeah, whether it's um, uh, White, Sanford White or one of his colleagues, we don't quite know, but um, the, the, this um, uh, classical architecture. Um, but um, did, you, did you feel you learned something new by seeing the work hanging here? I think it should pick you up. Oh. Is this okay? Cool. Yeah. Awesome. Um, so I think that for me, like you mentioned in the beginning, the most meaningful part of participating um, was the idea that it was chosen by peers and also people that I admire. Um, so I actually, I think I have an idea of who nominated me and she's like one of my favorite painters. Um, so even having that as an um, kind of validation of your practice, kind of getting an email or a letter um, while just, you know, working in your studio um, is, is a very unique sense of um, feedback that we just don't get that often as artists. Because even if you sell work or um, like everything that's kind of has to do with um, kind of a more commercial endeavor um, feels just so differently. And I feel like it's something that I haven't experienced since being in school when you're really just around your peers um, and get a sense of... Um, what, what other art, kind of an immediate response from other artists. So that to me was really uh, incredible. So the process of getting, getting to be in the show um, and being chosen um, and then seeing the work with the other, with the other artists uh, and kind of being in the company of like such incredible artists that I've admired for years. Um, so to me it's less, less so like the architecture or the space, uh, although it's quite grand, um, but more the, the context and the support mm. of peers. Yes, yes. Inka, what, what about you? How, how do you feel about this whole strange process? Uh, well, um, oh. uh, let's see, um, find something specific to say. Um, I, I'm, I'm also really honored. I loved looking at the list of people that have gotten into this, uh, um, into this uh, uh, award thing or you know, even just been nominated. And I just loved being a part of the city. I loved being a part of history because I don't know anything else that is outside of the market. We you know art history by the market, and this seemed to be so outside that there was, you know, um, 
people that you recognize, people that you didn't recognize, and you felt like there was a real beating heart <laughs> of, the, of the city in making art. And so I was thrilled to be a part of that. As far as the architecture goes, I think that I love being, a, you know, um, in old-fashioned, I prefer to be in old-fashioned kind of settings anyway. I mean, it, it can go either way, but my, I see my work in the context of other people's work more than I see it in the context of the architecture. Yes. The architecture is great because it has a presence. And so that's just a fabulous thing to have in addition to all the other people who, whose work is, is very impressive. So it's, ni it's nice to have that. And it, it, for me, because my work is much more, it it's, um, uh, has a lot of pow, and it also is um, outside of a truly academic kind of uh, practice, that it just, I just love the context. I love the fact that it's, it's so different than what the, the, um, the presence of this extraordinary building is. And I, and I love the fact that that I'm being shown with so many really terrific artists. So it's, it's, a, great, it's a great thing. Yeah, it's really mm. wonderful. Mm. Very inspiring. Yeah. Yes, fantastic, yes. I mean, I, I don't know what I would add to, to everything because it's exactly what it is. I mean, for me, um, uh, Bill Jensen was the person who nominated me and I was someone who has been really um, uh, a great source of strength. Um, since I've been in New York, and I was uh, so lucky, fortunate to meet him at the studio school. But um, seeing the list, I think one of the first things I thought was, uh, actually Judith, seeing Judith on the list, I thought my 70-year-old self was like, oh. Cool. Because Judith was just, you know, those torpedoes were, you know, when you're 17, and you see that, you're like, that's the real deal. Mm -hmm. So um, the other thing that I would say that's so... Um, so incredible is that something that is so established gets out of the way completely. And that's really something that is quite, um, quite generous. And even having the academy members who are lifelong artists take the time and the, the generosity of that to really take it seriously, um, because if not, the show wouldn't look the way it does every year. And Sue had to work as well. That to me was really, um, it, was, it was incredible incredible to be part of. So I, I think that that's one of the really special things about the Academy is that the Academy sort of gets gets out of the way, whereas, you know, if you look at Biennales and Triennials, there's so much, um, there is so much in the way of the art. And this really mm -hmm. feels like championing of art, of the work, really to its core. So I also, I also like the fact that they're inter, intergenerational. Absolutely, you know, yeah. because mm. there's younger artists <laughs> like so yourself, old. by the yeah. way, and older artists like myself, <laughs> and and other ones too. So I think that's 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 a wonderful thing. And yes, it's so rare, really yes, rare. Yes, so rare. Yeah, I agree. And yeah. it's really the, and the, the the cross section is really the work and, that's right. and the the integrity of everyone's investigations, really. Yeah. Yeah, especially uh, biennials are, uh, are fixated on on youth, aren't they? Often, or else they. Um, go to the opposite extreme of saying, uh, like the last Venice Biennale, of um, making almost a fetish out of uh, bringing in the outsider um, uh, in a way that it has a curious effect because really the curator who, who venerates the outsider is, is almost um, 
it sounds very cool and, and it, it has it has intellectual merit for sure, but it's also um, gets away from the embarrassing uh, potential opposition that the curator might have from artists who um, are known to have opinions and um, to be doing things for their own reasons rather than for those dictated by curators and um, um, elderly psychotics are usually less and more compliant. Um, uh, uh, but um, um, uh, I, I, uh, I don't know if they're all psychotics. <laughs> I don't know that the artists are all not psychotics as well. So it's uh, maybe the distinction is... It's a, uh, it's a range. It's, uh, <laughs> but the whole notion of the outsider is actually something very curious because um, uh, um, uh, an, an income mentioned peers, uh, the, 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 the excitement of being selected by peers, um, and, and um, uh, the, the, the academy of old, the academies of old, um, and it's, it's, by the way, it's just a huge difference between um, an academy in a democratic republic and the academy in a kingdom. And it's, it may seem, um, it, it may seem too obvious to even mention but when we think historically about uh, the academies, like the, 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 the academy formed by uh, uh, the, uh, Louis XIV was uh, really the, the paradigm of academies, the first national academy, actually. And um, it was very much all-centered. And uh, uh, it's about training the young within a classical tradition and electing the great and the good as the true heirs of the platonic ideals. And there's, there's no question that the academy is something that when it came along, the avant-garde had to overthrow, right? Yes? The academy, the, the way it was created by Louis XIV, uh, is still the way it is today, which means, and that's a problem, it's the separation of the discipline. There is an academy of letters mm -hmm. and an academy for the visual arts. Uh, so what is extraordinary here is not only that we have an intergenerational group mm -hmm. here, uh, but we have to be aware about what's going on here in the audience. Mm -hmm. And the audience here has major musicians which are here, Major singers, other painters and sculptors, photographers. So there is what New York represents mm -hmm. is really a living community where we cannot do, I cannot do my work without the music of Michael Atias or Thomas Buchner. We need, we need that energy, and that's the energy of New York, is that yes. intergenerational, but also interdisciplinary. Yeah. Yes, and the interdisciplinarity of this particular academy is something very striking. That's very striking, that, which mm. does not exist at the original academy uh, yes. in Paris. The fact that arts and letters includes composers, uh, visual artists and yeah. architects, yeah. poets, writers. But just the audience here and ourselves mm. shows yes. that sort of very alive dynamism. Right. And I like yeah. to souligner la chose. <laughs> <laughs> right. 
Yes. I just want to mention one thing. When when we talk about outsider art, yes. it's a funny thing. I don't really know. The definition of outsider art is probably uh, too narrow because outsider artists many times went to museum. They went to the Chicago Art mm. Institute. They went to the museums and other things. So they're not completely isolated in a hut in a mm. very remote area. So the outsider is... Um, it's a misnomer in a lot of ways. It is. I, yeah, it uh, is. I, I didn't want to go more into it, but nevertheless, uh, that's I, my feeling I have about a new uh, definition of an outsider. Go ahead. Anybody that's not on Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> right? <laughs> I think you have a good point there. <laughs> and that may well include many people who have little ribbons on their lapel because they're academicians uh, somewhere or another. So, um, but that's a... Yeah. Uh, that's a very uh, a good one. I like that. But also, um, also the fact that um, that artists, all the artists on this panel and upstairs, we can see amazing craftsmanship in their production. We can see a marshalling of technique and and a complete ownership of means of production um, that each individual artist however young or illustrious they are, has, has cultivated in their studio. Um, but what's very striking is that in, in the pluralistic art world of today, um, there, there is no pervasive classical ideal as, the, as would have been policed by academies traditionally. So we, we are in a kind of post-academic academy culture anyway. Um, so it's... Um, um, it's therefore begs the question, what would an academy really be um, in, in this, this day and age? And I want to, I want to see, um, it, maybe it, we will end up being typical artists here and biting the hand that feeds, because um, here's this wonderful old academy that has these endowed prizes, and here's five people who've got these prizes, and here's a, a, an art critic asking these people what it means to be an academy, and maybe uh, you will demolish and deconstruct the whole notion of an academy in your answers, but that's uh, a risk worth taking. Let me ask you, as people who've had the, the, seen the very best that an academy can offer to uh, an artist such as yourself, what do you guys think is the, the role of an academy? Do you think academies make sense in our culture? Do, do we need... Are they a good kind of club, um, if they're already ex in existence, to keep going and to reinvent and to reinterpret? Um, what have what your other experiences of academies been? There are, of course, other academies even in the city, like the National Academy, with which Judith, I know, is a, mentioned, a member. And, um, no, I, I teach at, well, okay. I have and you also teach at that academy. At, at, at yes. um, the New York Academy. New York Academy. So... Um, <laughs> Just, just in your, um, uh, let me start perhaps with Alain. Uh, um, what does, what does, no, actually, Alain, thank you. You have actually sort of addressed that in a way, that community of interdisciplinary. Um, um, uh, Charlotte, you were, you were actually trained at the Academy in Antwerp. So tell us, tell us what the word academy means to you and, and, and um, what the idea of an academy could be. I mean, I, I think it's quite it's uh, it's an impossible question because the um, because the parameters are so different. An academy. I went to the Royal Academy in Antwerp, 
in Belgium, and um, has which has nothing to do with the, this this type of an academy. And um, and I would say that going to Yale is a, definitely a certain type of academy hmm. um, of its own kind, and uh, has nothing to do with the one in the in Antwerp. Although there were some some severe situations that reminded me, but but um, I actually would like to address that this 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 academy feels quite um, quite modern in which is a funny thing to say and probably everyone can contradict me and everything I say comes with and of course the opposite is true so um, but the fact that you are being um, nominated by artists that uh, you know are lifelong this isn't uh, this is lifelong you know um, lifelong artists really that really it's 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 such a thing to arrive to that place I mean it's really uh, just the logistics of being an artist is is incredibly complicated and to be nominated by those people um, and to have that be the 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 way the way forward, I would say that it doesn't feel really like a salon des refusés. It feels more like a salon of the champion because mm. you're, you're being cha so it it it's uh, quite different from the austerity of 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 France and the time of you know um, you know in and out so to speak. I think that that's quite quite blurred in this type of situation. I'm completely biased as I as they have given me two things that I really are going to help me out throughout the year. <laughs> so I, I guess, <laughs> yes. Uh, but that, that's really, yeah. Yeah. How, oh, so what was the question? Um, <laughs> do, 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 what's, from your experience as, as an artist with, with, with peers, as somebody who's taught, um, and, as, and as somebody who's benefited from uh, a historic academy giving you um, an exhibition and an award, um, what do you feel, do you feel academies are um, an, a, a useful thing to have in the 21st century? Do you think the art world needs more such clubs and associations, uh, fraternities, sororities? Yeah, I, I don't, I think that all art schools are, are fraternities and, and many people, young students ask me, should I go to graduate school? And uh, is it worth the money to, to go to graduate school? And I always tell them uh, what you're buying at graduate school is a peer group. Mm -hmm. And so if you go to a fancy school, you get yourself a fancy peer group. And a fancy peer group can really make the difference in terms of how you're associated. And I think that even someone like, uh, I think Jeffrey Deitch once said that he judges art by who they, um, other people's, people's art by who they hang out with. Um, and, um, and I don't doubt it. Uh, mm. I yeah. think it's, you know, I, I mean, I, <laughs> but uh, I think that that goes on in, in you know, in, in, this, in this world where uh, peer groups are um, uh, always forming. And I, I think that I've been, um, I've had maybe a couple peer groups in, in New York City, and I like to think that they're also fluid. Mm. I think they're great as long as they're fluid. And, uh, um, yeah. <laughs> I think you may have just undermined your new definition of an outsider artist as someone who's not an Instagram, because um, uh, Jeffrey Deitch, that's, that's almost defines looking at art with your ears. Um, but uh, so you're an outsider art if you're not in well, a network. <laughs> but of course, Instagram is a network. So 
I, we'll, I would just I would just say I would I would just say to to um, something that I've been thinking about a lot this question of, of MFAs and everything, and I would absolutely say do not go unless they pay for you. Like, <laughs> you, you don't don't you don't need to do that. And I, I would almost I would also say that especially in a place like New York City, I can uh, you know there are alternative ways, and I think that the way forward is alternative academies. And mm -hmm. the funny thing is is that this place feels like an alternative academy and the new museum and the MoMA, and it feels like the academy. Uh, so it's a very, very interesting uh, transition that's happening. And the, the more forward, the more forward, the, the, as we progress, I think that there will be uh, a, a, a natural pro progression to, towards something other than these programs of, uh, um, you know, MFAs and these types of things, because, uh, uh, because it will happen naturally, um, I think we're in in we're TikTok the Black Academy, Black uh, Mountain College. You know that's uh, something needs to needs to be done, and it will. I, I would assume, but I just wanted to. <laughs> You know, it's funny because when I, I went I went to Yale as as we have here. I mean, so long ago when I went to Yale, they they were charging I think 175 a term, and I didn't go in the Civil War. It seems like that is really the time frame I have to say, and I did get a full scholarship by the way, and it did pay for it. But nevertheless, um, it's a it's it's I think that you nailed it when you were talking about um, that it is that. Um, you actually, uh, you hang out with people who are smart, who have uh, a very interesting aesthetic and good ideas and stuff like that. And you have to get your own little cells, so to speak. Otherwise, you're just like floating in this in morass of so much stuff around. So I think that's that's an important, that's a very important thought that you have. I, I but we understand art through other art. That's right. That's exactly right. It, it's it's definitely um, um, it, it's not it's certainly not in isolation. By the way, you know it's self-referential. Yeah, yeah. Doron. Well, I feel like having gone to the Pennsylvania Academy and Yale, obviously, it's like a, I I've definitely um, have battled with the baggage that being part of an academy gives you, um, and also the guilt of like being am I an academic painter? I'm sure you could also relate to those questions. Obviously, that has an extremely negative connotation. Um, so I think academies could be quite overbearing in terms of their mm -hmm. tradition, their history, uh, their history of, of exclusion as well. Um, and I feel like being part of it definitely could feel um, kind of retrograde in a way. Mm -hmm. um, I think that actually, kind of echoing what Charlotte was saying, that the experience here felt very porous um, and very accessible. I've, and I've had many friends that have been in this show before. Um, people that, you know, like a few years ago when we were all slightly younger and they didn't, you know, there was kind of like a very, a, a major point for them. Like before that, they didn't really do anything that was um, kind of had a lot of visibility. So actually this academy does feel um, like the doors are open um, and there's a lot more um, kind of inclusivity, um, which I really appreciate. When I was at PAFA, um, like even in terms of like, like being like a young gay painter, like there weren't any, there was like maybe one like gay professor. Um, so I feel like there was just like not a lot of, um, 
different kinds of role models, it felt like there was a very distinct idea of what it means to make a good painting. Um, and for a young painter, I feel like that could be quite destructive sometimes. Mm -hmm. um, so apropos like biting the hand that feeds, I feel like it, it is necessary to kind of um, not rebel, but um, kind of redefine for yourself what, what it means to be given these tools or to be in this position. Um, as an artist. Yeah. You know, when I when I was at Yale in I'm talking 1966, I felt that they were much more they were open certainly when I was there. I had read an article in the New York Times uh, that uh, Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf had take was taken from bathroom graffiti and I was into rebelling against uh, the Vietnam War. And I went into the men's room and used that graffiti because I felt that graffiti is actually more <laughs> complicated and more subconscious than you would actually imagine because when people are defecating they're also it's also coming out from their head so they say whatever they want because they're in private but I did this fuck Vietnam series and I didn't find that that was very very academic so um, I think that the um, institutions can also be uh, much more open than you might uh, you might imagine but I think it's wonderful that this, that the club here, and it's all, all these institutions and stuff are clubs, mm. and the schools are all clubs. But the thing here is that they're very open to a lot of different aesthetics. And I think that that is really extraordinary. And they keep expanding and expanding. And that is what makes a really good institution, that they can, they're, they're inclusive of so many other aesthetics that is not their own. And I think that's wonderful. And it's not just only their friends. So I think that's great. I think well, that's fabulous. Maybe, maybe yeah. one of the biggest yeah. differences with this this place is that, uh, and I don't know, but uh, it's not run like a business though, right. mm. whereas museums and art schools are. That's, yeah. that, that's exactly correct, yeah. It's, it's a very patrician model of, of um, having been founded at a time, I mean, this is a pretty modern academy. Um, I just want to mention yes. that uh, coming from France, I, I should uh, notice that Picasso, Matisse, Gonzalez, Miro never went to university. Mm -hmm. And I never went to university. So, in fact, university frightened me. When I see the biography of artists today, they have this huge biography, Yale, Harvard, Stanford, who care? I am not sure it's so great. The real energy is when you meet artists by yourself, who are maverick. Uh, let's say, for instance, for me in literature or in philosophy, someone like Roland Barthes never went to university. Philippe Solaire, tel quel, never went to university. I never went, thanks God, to university. Uh, my university was West Broadway when I was meeting artists in the streets. And we got alone, we invited. I am very honored to have met Dorothea Rockburn when she was a sweet, dangerous young girl in 72. <laughs> At Sonapen Gallery, uh, I didn't go to Yale. Uh, and, and then later when I met Robert Morris or when I met Sidney Bechet, uh, it was out of my will. I, I went toward them and they were generally, uh, we underestimate the fact that artists are very hospitable. Uh, 
and we don't need the go-between of an institution, I, I like to precise. In, uh, in your generation, you didn't. Uh, in my um, case, I give yeah. you my uh, experience. Because in a, in a funny way, what you were doing yes. was something pre-academic. You, by, by seeking out the artists you admired, and you, you David Smith was somebody, and, and, and uh, hmm. uh, that, you, know, you, you mentioned Robert Morris and, and, and meeting Dorothea, but in a way, that's Morris like almost... Morris did go to, to, to university. He, he did, yeah, but, but, but in a way, that is kind of like um, being apprenticed. Uh, it's like the medieval um, uh, notion, yeah. rather than the modern period notion, of uh, attaching yourself to uh, uh, a master that you admire. Yes, because the one thing is very important. Many artists are experts to become teacher in university, expert to get grants, expert to get commission. And that's a very dangerous world. world. And it's the academism in the bad sense of the term. When I met people like Roland Barthes, he was a real maverick until very late of his life where he was finally invited at the Collège de France. But I met him as a maverick. I met him in, in a cafe, uh, we, we, but, but not at La Sorbonne. Yeah. He never set a foot at La Sorbonne. Uh, so it's also a point of view hmm. to be. Now, in my case, I have been stimulated by musicians, musicians that very often have never been to university. Yeah. And uh, especially Afro-American musician. We, we have to admit that Afro-American musician has been extremely underestimated in, in the visual arts in the United States, not in France. In France, early 70s, for instance, uh, uh, Giacometti, uh, Miro, uh, uh, used to meet Charles Mingus, used to meet uh, Albert Heller. Mm. Uh, that's something that's not so easy to happen in institutions. Yes. Let me now take, take that very interesting thought to the other end of the panel, because um, Charlotte actually mentioned, having been to the Royal Academy in Antwerp, how uh, how excited she's becoming by the notion of alternative academies. And there are um, artist-run um, academies like, um, well, actually, the studio school where you attended say, it was, I, was founded yeah, by artists. Yeah. But, but also, um, you, you, um, uh, there are some artists in, in London who've, who have formed an alternative academy. And then there's the Bruce High Quality Foundation, which runs itself, which is artist-led, a sort of maverick program. Um, uh, but at the same time, you know, the, the, uh, Yale has done this panel pretty proud, so let's not, <laughs> let's not uh, uh, throw out the baby with the bathwater with this uh, discussion. I mean, let's try to be um, sort of pragmatic as well as yeah. philosophical here, because um, uh, the, the ideal that Alain mentions of a community as an alternative to um, an institution um, is is very inspiring and wonderful sounding, but one wonders if it's actually as democratic and inclusive as um, a merit-based um, admissions program to funded um, education. 
Um, so I wouldn't necessarily want to come down too quickly in favor of one or the other. And I want to hear if we can hear from um, Charlotte, Inca, and, and Doron on this particular subject. Well, I just, uh, I, I would say to Anna, it's the absolute dream. <laughs> it's an absolute dream, you know, that, that really is the, the trajectory that is in one's, you know, mind when you are uh, 16. And then, and then actually, uh, it's interesting because now, what it, at least in my experience, what I looking back on my uh, what I've done, I, I hate school and I keep on getting into them, and <laughs> it's a nonstop process. And I and then I realize now, with a little bit of distance, I graduated uh, about a year, two years ago, I think now, a year ago, I don't remember, something like that. And um, and looking at it, I really see that the, the, the reason for it was a hacking of the system. I hacked the system without knowing that I was hacking the system. <laughs> because the most important thing, I'm a studio-based artist, which is a, a problem. I wish I was a research computer-based artist. <laughs> I'm, a, I, I'm someone who needs a physical space you know, where I'm alone uh, most of the time. And, uh, and I, I leave it, of course, and, but there is a necessity for a physical space. And um, I realized that a lot of the movement, movement of, of schools was through scholarship. I never paid for school. And, um, and it was to facilitate that space. It was, that was the most important thing for me. It was the, 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 that, that I could, that I could uh, have the time also, because that's the other thing now. The, the amount of pressure that, that I think young artists have is quite different from before. It's really, and to be able to hold your own and, and do it when you're ready to do it, you know, but to hold your own and be a little bit patient and impatient in the work itself so you can, Get, get you know get get going with your own work but but you need that time at least I needed that time and um, and I found that the institutions uh, provided those four walls that I needed for free as that that was a big thing I wasn't gonna do it I couldn't do it anyway so that's that was the reason. A time, okay. time is so important, by the way. Mm -hmm. It so really important. is to develop, by the way, to mature. Mm -hmm. yeah. It's essential. It's absolutely essential. Yeah. Yeah. Wonderful. Um, I, I would say that there is something more than just time and space. I mean, there is that, yeah. and that's the most sure. important thing. But I got to say that uh, I don't know what happens in art school. I don't know what we're doing. <laughs> huh. But I can tell when somebody hasn't been to art school. So I. The language too. The, I don't even know what. I mean, it's it's uh, it's um, yeah, and and it's not that they make him a good artist or about it, but you can that it hasn't. It's just a different quality. So something must happen. And you're te <laughs> you you teach at the New York Academy. So you know, okay, a, you know, I've I've taught one class. Uh, <laughs> you know, let's like, let's not overblow this. <laughs> um, and I've taught it, uh, I think, three times, and uh, and it's been. I a taught years. for fifty years. Yeah. <laughs> now, what's very uh, uh, what I would say is what I find very dangerous in art school is is that I see the students there. They really work very hard. They are very busy, and they they want to get their uh, something called MFA, I think, uh, yes. diplomas. Yes, they yes. want to get the diplomas. So I said, "What the diplomas? They, you know, they really believe they become artists when they have the MFA." Well, in that's, fairness, I think they really do. I think no, that's crazy. 
That's crazy. The MFA is a crazy snake. The poor guys, poor t- girls, they believe they have, and, and in fact, they have very little time to, to smell, to, to enrich themselves with flavor, yeah. with marginal experience. I will not dis- mention anything, but <laughs> I say marginal experience when you are young is crucial. Uh, you have to do it. You cannot go every day at New York Studio School. Or, uh, and I feel it could create a, a very uh, bland type of life and generation. And I am a little bit revolted uh, 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 about that. Oh. People don't, they, they are next door to the most incredible club of music in New York that costs nothing. Like the stone uh, at the new uh, what's the name? The new school. New school. Yes. Uh, but that's that's why we are in New York, and we we have to ask every day why I am in New York, what I am doing here. Otherwise, we should move to 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 Nebraska. Uh, to yeah. Nebraska. Somewhere cheaper and uh, <laughs> voilà. uh, voilà. a better climate. I, I just yes. wanted to encourage everyone to yes. keep a very. Uh, unpredictable life. That's, uh, I'm sure it's good advice. Uh, but on the other hand, there are some skills that people want to get their hands on to. There, are, there is the cultivation of a peer group. Um, not everyone is born with an innate sense of uh, commitment to being in a studio and the methodology of the, that kind of time-based uh, thing, which an art school, if it's doing its job properly, can possibly cultivate. Nobody could but, have uh, teach me blacksmithing, uh, I want true. to say. Well, but let me ask Doron, who's, yeah. uh, you know, Paffa Yale, you can't get more, <laughs> you are the enemy of what you are. Oh, the, no. The, 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 the <laughs> what do that uh, yeah, I mean, is describing in a way. Um, I, I really love being in school, um, actually. And I thought for me, it was an extremely productive experience, mainly yeah. because um, my best friends are all people I went to school with. Uh, and through them, I met my other best friends. Um, yeah. So I feel like, especially for Yale, um, it is a community that kind of prepares you um, to be in New York and to mm. have kind of a, like musician friends and dancer friends. And um, I met my husband at Yale. He's a doctor. I have doctor friends now. You know what I mean? Like, um, so I feel like there is, um, if, if administered correctly, it, uh, an institution could be a melting pot that would introduce you to people you, you would never meet. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I'm Israeli. I can't go to Iran. Um, some of my friends from school, you know what I mean? Like, I feel like this is it's just uh, it brought people together in a way that just doesn't happen on the uh, or it doesn't happen to me um, on my own. Um, right. And I feel like that continues. Um, after school. So it does create these pockets of, of communities that then come back to the city and pool together and uh, you can really make a life for yourself. And I, yeah. I feel like maybe now, like when people come to my studio, they don't know that I went to Yale. Um, mm. But I think I do credit <laughs> a lot of um, the connections that I've made and the opportunities that I've got to being in that institution. And I think that that it's kind of like a double edged sword, right? It's it's not um, it's not a world that it's not an ideal world where mm. such an exclusive institution um, has control over so much of so many opportunities um, because then it just gives there there's so many biases that involve um, that are involved in in the structure of these institutions mm-hmm. uh, that I think people are actively trying to come to combat. Yes. But 
Um, so again, it's not a perfect system, but I, but I do think that mm -hmm. it's a productive one for me at least. Yeah. Yeah. I think we also have to be mindful of that, that, um, uh, you maybe were part of the last generation where the kind of, um, coziness that you're describing of the avant-garde and the affordability of New York, uh, you, you were at a, a kind of, a perfect storm moment to pursue the anti-academic uh, training through the community that you uh, were blessed with. But also like that, if, if it's like hmm. a friend of a friend, like when I see institutions that are run in that way, where like the people that teach there are all kind hmm. of like, oh, they, they bring their friend and whatever, it creates a lot of sameness. Um, hmm. And I think that that's something that could be even more dangerous than instit institutionalization. Right, so. there you are. So there's, there's stuff to think about. Um, Suhad, where are you? Where are you? Um, here. here. Yes. Um, do you think we should have? Yes, I think we could take we 10 minutes, minutes or 10 or 15, 10 minutes or if we need. So um, on the basis of what we've been discussing, has anyone got um, um, either a question for the panel or, or just a good comment that you, you wanted to share as a response to something that you've heard in the last hour? Be um, uh, do we have a roving mic? We uh, yes, we can. Um, would anyone in the audience? Does anyone in the audience feel? Dorothy. Yes, Dorothy. 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 Yeah. And I think uh, something that isn't hasn't been made clear is that uh, the American Academy of Arts and Letters is is a group of more or less peers in all fields. And that makes the kind of community that Alan is talking about. Mm -hmm. And the Academy does not fundraise, I want to add. And they, they, it's a, a, a group of people a long time ago formed the American Academy and the Century Club. They, it must have been a desert in America, so to survive, they did this thing. And, uh, so I think the, uh, the beautiful thing about these Academy shows is um, that it is a group of professionals choosing professionals, mm. some of whom are known and some of whom are, are not known yet. And to me, that's just amazing every year. Yes, thank you, thank you.